Hey everyone, thank you guys for tuning in again. Lola is also here. I am. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, Lola? How are you? What's up in New York? I'm good. I'm good. New York is great. Um, everything is open. Everyone's pretty much vaccinated. Damn. Um, yeah, it's just they really spe- sped up the process here. That is so crazy to me because I feel like in Vienna we have made zero progress in the last six months. <laughs> like really nothing has changed. Yeah, so things are good. Um, and you have a new job. Yeah, I started working at a hotel. I was literally not human for two weeks because I had to train for two weeks every day, basically. Mm. And damn, after being like in either a sitting or laying position for a year straight. <laughs> that was seriously hard. It's so weird. And it's so funny. I remember you were telling me um, that you listened to a podcast where this guy from New Zealand yeah. was like, yeah, it's crazy how fast things go back to normal. So that's the thought that I had in my head. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be super easy. I'm just going to jump back into it. Um, but I was exhausted. Yeah, actually, I think what he meant when I heard that was not necessarily like in terms of working, but yeah, more in terms of when like social know, cafe- stuff. Yeah, cafes and restaurants and shit are open again and bars that you for like a week or two weeks it's like oh my god and then it's just completely normal and you kind of yeah. don't really appreciate anymore but i think that's something that we're going to be really faced with that people are going to start their quote-unquote old life again and going to be really overwhelmed yeah seriously i think that's going to be a topic that's going to come at us in the future but today we have a very different topic for you guys we do, and it it kind of does relate to the current time. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're doing, it has three different names. I don't even know which one to use. <laughs> there's hypochondria, then there's hypochondriasis, and then there is um, illness anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So those are all the same thing. Let's, for the sake of today's episode, let's just say hypochondria, because I think it's yeah. the most commonly used, not commonly used, but the most known name mm-hmm. for this illness. Um, yeah, so what is it? Hypochondria is a diagnosis that's basically coined by a consistent conviction of a present illness or abnormality, and that could be physical or mental. And the people who have hypochondria may go to like a lot of exams and see professionals, etc. And everyone can tell them you don't have it, but they will not be convinced. Like they think they have it and they also constantly refuse this professional opinion. Definitely. So they're completely preoccupied with having an illness. This isn't just like... A thought that you might be sick it's like it really takes over your everyday life and it's all that you can think about um yeah even though i have to say i looked that up and i saw that basically there's two different types of patients 
Mm-hmm. And one type is the one that you just described, where it really affects their everyday life and especially also their environment, like their family, their friends, yeah. etc. But also some patients actually live a rather normal life. But those are the ones that, like, I think it depends on the personality structure. Mm-hmm. Like some people have more like of a hysteric structure very often, right. especially with this illness. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's interesting that you say that there's two different patients, because I also found something that described two different patients, but in a different way. And they kind of split it up into the care seeking and the care avoidant. And I have never heard about the care avoidant, actually, I always thought about like hypochondriacs as people who are just living in doctor's offices and Mm. constantly seeking care. So there's the care seeking and those are the people that spend a lot of time in a healthcare setting and they seek advice from multiple specialists and always are requesting follow-up tests and medical exams. But there's also the care avoidant and these are the people that avoid doctors and medical care And it's because they don't trust doctors or they think that they don't take their symptoms seriously. Um, And these patients have a lot more fear and anxiety because to me, it's almost like an an addition of paranoia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I also found interesting is that Usually this illness starts before the age of 50 mm-hmm. and also it's chronic and variable. So maybe let's say you have this disease for 20 years already. You're probably not only going to be concerned about the same illness for 20 years. Like yeah. the, the, dif- the diseases change, but they don't change constantly. Like usually it's not like in a day you think, you know, you have three different things. It Mm -hmm. is about one or two specific illnesses that you think you have. And they may stick around for like, I don't know, a few months, a few years even. And you but usually there is one main illness and maybe a few other ones that are added in there. But it's Mm -hmm. not like it's constantly changing and you think you have everything. I don't know. I think it's such an interesting illness because first of all, like we said before, it's not really used so much anymore. But it's so used in just like casual conversation and just everyday life I know so many people who say that they're hypochondriacs but I guess they would never actually be diagnosed as one yeah for sure but it's weird because it is such a like popular theme to have especially right now I feel like it's just trendy to always think that there's something wrong with you yeah and I think uh, yeah we said before that the diagnosis per se is not given that often anymore today as far as we understood because also there is there are so many comorbidities with this like anxiety and depression are usually things that go with hypochondria and also there are many other diagnoses that have to be excluded. Like, for example, there's a lot of similarities to phobias, to compulsive mm-hmm. disorders, to other somatic illnesses, etc. So I think it's just kind of hard to distinguish these days what is hypochondria and what is like a phobia of, you know, yeah. contamination or just 
especially with corona, like a general anxiety where you're, of course, also for valid reasons, scared of, of getting sick. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think my grandmother has hypochondria, but seriously, in an extreme way. This woman has like been thinking that she's dying for the last 60 years. And her whole life really revolves around that. And she can never do anything. She can never, like, it's always in the background of everything that she does. And I remember even my uncle, um, who's a doctor, always gave her fake pills. <laughs> because, like, you can't, you cannot make these people stop. Like, they will not stop. Even yeah. if you're a doctor, even if you're a professional, even if you sent them to every single specialist in the country, they still won't change their mind or opinion. Like, they're very, very adamant. And it's interesting, too, because they really trust their instinct. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I am not so trusting in myself to really believe that the whole world is wrong. Yeah, you're like so convinced of your yourself in that sense. Yeah. It's quite admirable, actually. <laughs> and yeah, it actually brings me to something that's a little bit more psychoanalytic. I was trying to find like the psychoanalytic explanation of hypochondria. I feel like it's not that great and <laughs> not even really worth getting into. But the one thing that I found interesting... Um, was that Freud um, like spoke a little bit about hypochondria in his On Narcissism paper. And I really kind of agree with that perspective where he was talking about the libido, which we spoke about in a few episodes. It's basically just, I don't know, energy. Um, and he kind of splits the libido into two. And this is object libido, um, which is outwards. So like the energy that you put outwards, just in a really simple way of saying it, the energy that you put into other people. And then there's also like the narcissistic ego libido, which is inwards. And he really placed like this inwards energy or narcissistic energy. He really put hypochondria into that mm -hmm. and I think it's really helpful to think about it in a kind of narcissistic way because it's like what we just said like you have so much trust in yourself and so much belief that like what's happening inside of you is the truth for sure and I think going back to those like two kinds of patients we established I do think probably that most patients are more the ones that like really dominate their environment with this yeah. illness. You know what I mean? I think there's not so many who are real hypochondriacs and like live normal lives. I, I don't know. Yeah. Let's stick to that. Um, there you can see that there is this extreme wish to be seen, to get attention, to always mm -hmm. have someone who's like concerned about you. You know what I mean? To kind of constantly project hey, something's wrong with me, I'm really sick. And I think 
it's really hard actually for the environment because I remember knowing someone who I wouldn't say that this person was a true hypochondriac, but she definitely had some tendencies. And I remember her being convinced that she had a brain tumor. Mm. And there was no evidence, like nothing. The only symptom was that she had like a migraine. Yeah. And, but she would go around and tell everyone, I think I have a brain tumor. And of mm-hmm. course, like most people are quite rational, you know, and will say like, well, how do you know? Why do you think that, etc." But of course, there could also be someone who is like, oh my God, what? Yeah. Like, that's nothing light to like joke about or like to lightly say, you know what I mean? So I think it must be really, really tough for the environment to live with a hypochondriac or something or know someone if they do that for years, because also you just don't take it seriously. It's like the boy who cried wolf, you know, what yeah. if something really were to happen, you would be like, yeah, sure, <laughs> you're sick, right? Okay, once again. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> but then something could actually be wrong, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. It's it's weird also because you force, like for me, it's very like hysterical, like you're forcing everyone around you to make you the center of the world Mm. you're forcing every single person around you to not take care of you but to like be worried about you exactly you have to constantly be somehow in everyone's life because yeah it's like through this attention um i found something because you said you didn't really find a psychoanalytic explanation that resonated with you i found a psychodynamic kind of approach to the whole thing which i think was quite interesting Mm, which kind of also relates a lot in some sense to other somatic illnesses like eating Mm -hmm. disorders and stuff it basically said that so hypochondria hypochondria patients obviously have an issue with their body right and the body can be interpreted as like a transitional zone between the inner world so like you and Mm -hmm. the external world so the environment So it's kind of a space where there's contact, but also where you can set boundaries. Mm -hmm. So this theory said that this whole illness is really about a conflict between contact and demarcation or boundary. And that is really seen in this ambivalence that through constantly projecting this, you, 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 um, you can see that these patients have to wish to be seen, to get attention, They are addicted to seeing professionals, you know what I mean? But at the same time, they're so fixated on this idea. They don't take the advice from professionals. They don't take their opinion seriously. So they don't give others a chance to hear about the real underlying issues. And this is where the demarcation is, you know? So Mm -hmm. they kind of want to be close to the environment. But then when it comes to that, where there is a possibility of closeness, they withdraw. And I think that's quite interesting because the body, as we also know from eating disorders, is an easy target for projection. So there must Definitely. be something underlying, unconscious, like related to, I don't know, self-worth, uncomfortable, unacceptable feelings, etc. what we all know from psychoanalysis. And it cannot be put into words, whatever is going on. So it is projected on the body. When someone has an illness or a symptom that is so weird, in a sense, it's mm-hmm. like a way of them communicating. They just don't know how to put it in words. Yeah. 
if you ask them like what's really going on they would be like what do you mean i'm really sick yeah but it's not what's really going on there's something unconscious but they don't know how to express it so they kind of express it through that illness yeah which is something that i thought about recently actually which really made me think it's so easy to project things onto your body, but it's much more common and way easier to project things onto the surface of your body. Mm-hmm. Like we, we've talked a lot about the skin um, and stuff like that. It's so easy because it's, it expresses itself without you having to. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else can see it, so they can see that something is wrong. And there's basically proof that something's wrong. But I was talking to somebody recently uh, who was telling me about like the organs and the inside of the body. And we forget that the inside of your body is the same thing as your skin. So the inside of your body, you can see the same as like as you would have a rash on the outside of your body. It also does the same thing internally. So when things are not going well in there, <laughs> they also they also look different. Yeah. yeah. And like it it behaves basically the same way as the outside of your body, but it's so much harder because you can't see it to like pinpoint what's going on. And I think that's almost like the advantage <laughs> of the hypochondriac mm-hmm. because they can literally say anything and nobody could ever disprove it not even a doctor yeah you mean when you're like how are you today Mm, my liver is yeah exactly (laughs) or they're just like yeah i'm having organ failure my kidneys are not uh performing fuck but only just hearing that makes me so sad like that what an exhausting life to live to constantly be sick because you think you're sick so you feel sick you know what i mean yeah also uh these people they do genuinely feel sick you know it's not that they're yeah making it up i mean you're we know that your thoughts have incredible power like just from placebo effect so yeah it's also a placebo effect and it's not like a oh i need attention so i'm gonna make up that my yeah. foot hurts yeah. <laughs> but yeah it must be terrible and i was looking into also how this kind of happens or how people develop hypochondria also was not very satisfied with the answers that i found it's weird i really didn't find much information about it and i feel like that's because this is gonna sound mean but i think it's because the patients are so annoying they're probably not worked with very much. I think there's just maybe not a specific theory on hypochondria. I mean, I'm sure there are out there for sure, but like ones that are super well known because there are so many similarities in the psychodynamic to like phobias, for example, (laughs) you know, where it's a complete displacement of conflicts. Or I think there's also a lot of similarities of depression. Yeah, definitely. Because there is something really aggressive on this constant, we call it turning on the self in psychoanalysis, when you kind of are not able to express your aggression outward. So you kind of turn it on yourself and your body in this case. It's the same in depression. So I think there's just so many similarities to other stuff that maybe there does need to be a specific theory on hypochondria. I I just had like a 
really funny thought. Maybe it's because like <laughs> with other people, like you want to convince them to seek treatment. But with the hypochondriac, you really <laughs> want to convince them to stop. <laughs> so maybe you don't want to promote like treatment. Like the goal so is to make them go home and stop thinking that there's something wrong with them. That is so true. <laughs> would that mean that having a hypochondria patient in psychoanalysis would be annoying, but also you would have that patient probably like five times a week. You know? Yeah, and would you would like, have no, to try... Your goal would actually be to like end treatment as fast as possible. Probably for him to be like, or them to be like, yeah, I'm good. You would be like, oh my God. <laughs> That's so true. I didn't think of that. So yeah, I was looking at what causes hypochondria. And the only thing that I found, which was like maybe a little bit of an explanation, is that um, the parenting style of hypochondriacs was very anxiety promoting well which parenting style is not anxiety promoting <laughs> definitely but the the one specifically that i was reading about is like um having parents that are very dramatic so having mm. parents that really overreacted to very mm -hmm. small things and when kids had like a subjective experience that wasn't very serious their parents really really like blew it out of proportion and made it a big deal mm -hmm. when it shouldn't have been yeah and also what you just said like hysteric patients uh hysteric parents i could also see that maybe this is just my thoughts um if the patients are uh, oh my god what is this fucking Freudian slip <laughs> if the parents, the parents if the, slash patients yeah yeah exactly if the parents are like hysteric and maybe mm -hmm. take up a lot of space, then you need to find ways to get attention. And totally. of course, a physical illness is usually something that is taken seriously, especially from your parents, you know, if there's concern about the child. So maybe it's also just a way of finding that attention that you need. Yeah, or even just a way to kind of um, take the spotlight sometimes when you need it. Mm -hmm because you know that that's going to work because your parents are going to have a meltdown if you have a cut or something. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of the only thing that I found which was there was also like, you know, a history of um serious illness like in their family mm -hmm. is often traumatic to somebody who experiences that as of a course. young child. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's a little bit too simplified. And I think in many cases, that's not hypochondria. That's like just anxiety, which also yeah. stems from somewhere. That's like understandable. That's you know, anxiety. If you have like a family history of breast cancer, it's understandable yeah. that you're also afraid of getting breast cancer. And I think that's not necessarily hypochondria. Yeah. And I think in that case, like it sounds much more phobic to me because mm -hmm. it's like a trauma that comes from like a singular event, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And if it's really funny because these two patients, like the care avoidant and care seeking, I would put us in those categories. Like you're the care seeking and I'm the care avoidant because I, even if I think I'm about to die, I will not go to a doctor. <laughs> that is true. Oh my God. I remember, <laughs> I remember, 
Okay, this is absolutely true. I love going to the doctor. Yeah, I know. Listen, listen, I'm not gonna lie. I love it. <laughs> Especially to dermatologists. I don't know why I love it. Even though it's like the worst job I could ever imagine. Like, oh, it's yeah. so gross for a reason. It's disgusting. But I love going there. And I remember I was shocked like a year ago or something when I had been to yet another dermatologist. Because no, no, I don't go to the same one. I always go to a new one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> to like check them out but I remember you told me I remember no no you asked oh my god how is that I've never been to one and I was yeah. like what do you mean but also never. you didn't have to so why I don't know but I just feel like people still go just to to get something checked yeah that's true but I've never thought about it that way it's true you never go to doctors do you never no no Never. Is it like, are you also anxious to go to doctors or is it just not something you do? You know what I mean? Are you like, if someone were to like, Lola, you need to go to the GP, would you make up an excuse or? No, I think for me, it's more that um, every time I go to the doctor, I feel like something is wrong and then I have to deal with taking care of it. Okay. So I just avoid it. You'd rather not know. I'd rather not know. People survived, you know, in the wilderness, in all kinds of climates. I just feel like it's too much. I feel like it's going to be fine. Do you go to the dentist? Very rarely. <laughs> I mean, also, it's not that I don't go. So I do go to the doctor but and really I do go to the dentist. To. No, the opposite. <laughs> so I go like once every two years. Okay. For like a complete checkup. Right, right. And then it's like done. And then I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm good. <laughs> and then I just ignore every symptom that I have. Okay. I until see. the next one. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like hop from doctor to doctor, <laughs> yes. kind of trying to find the ultimate self improvement. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know why. For me, there's something so soothing about hearing a professional's opinion and i know it's completely out of narcissistic wishes. when they tell you you're amazing and you're exactly, great exactly <laughs> exactly when they tell me like Miss your iron levels are perfect i would be like thank you i know it's so dumb i think i really that's why i go that's or hilarious. because I want to hear how to, if something is wrong, how to like make it perfect. It's actually quite fucked up if you think about it. It it's, is. It's really like I want to, basically I would love, listen, this is my dream. Achieving perfection. Once a, this is my dream, <laughs> of course. Once a year you have a checkup of all the doctors. And I know that the insurance pays that in Austria, yeah. but it's not like with everything. You know, it's like a general blood yeah drawing that's the one that i do see that's not what i need i need the little things i need the i need to know the levels of fucking i don't know what in my blood Mm. um so i would love to have that once a year like a day like it sounds like a spa like a spa day (laughs) seriously and you go to the dermatologist to the gynecologist to the up uh, to the eye doctor to the gp to you name it and then it's one day a year and you kind of know and then you can like take supplements do the work whatever and that would be literally my dream maybe okay dude but it is it is i was just about to say that's like this new thing here 
which my mom signed up for, which is genius. It's ridiculous. You pay like a monthly membership mm-hmm. and it's basically like a place where they have every specialist mm-hmm. and you have unlimited visits. Oh. Wait, this is so good that this doesn't exist here. I would live there. I would be there every single day. And they yeah, would be and you like, pay you per month. Have anything. And I would be like, but please, let's check again. <laughs> And you're, you'd be a member, so they would have to. I'd be a VIP <laughs> member, let me yes. tell you. I would be the first one to be like, is there an upgrade? <laughs> no, you would be like, um, you'd be an investor. <laughs> exactly. You'd be like, excuse me, I own 0.05 of this company, so let me in. <laughs> so give me a cucumber water. Excuse me. It's funny, I've never thought about it, but we are very different in that aspect. Totally. Yeah, I definitely okay, so avoid. And you said your your grandma is a hypochondria because I thought about it. I don't, totally. I don't think I know someone. No, she is really a diagnosable one. Yeah, I mean, I think I know a lot of people who are very anxious about getting sick, which is already a bit like, yeah, come on, you know, if it's people you see frequently. But actually, I don't know many and definitely no one who is like on a pathological level. Yeah, she's definitely pathological. And it's so... It's so crazy because this technique, I know it's not a technique, but this <laughs> this illness, like the goal of the illness, it's really like she really succeeded because she, everyone is always talking about her. Mm-hmm. Like she is the the center of the whole family because she always about her because they're concerned or because no. she's a hypochondriac. Because because she's so annoying. Mm. But she's still the topic of conversation. She doesn't care if it's negative or positive. Right. I think she just doesn't want anybody to forget about her. And what what does she think she has? Um, so she did have a stroke. This mm-hmm. is the interesting part because she actually had a stroke. No, I think they were concerned. But she had a stroke and she basically fully recovered from the stroke. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But she does not believe that she did. Mm-hmm. So she still thinks that like she's kind of she's like, no, I think I'm like still partially paralyzed and like I can't get up. I can't walk. Whatever. She just she really believes that she did not recover from the stroke. And um, my uncle is just like he's her doctor. So he was like, she has fully recovered. <laughs> like she is completely fine. She can get up and walk around if she wants to. But she just refuses to accept or believe that she recovered. Mm-hmm. And it makes everyone serve her because she's just in bed and everybody has to do everything for her. Mm-hmm. And it's always been like that. Usually, um, like before she actually had something, it was like she had a migraine 24 hours a day. And she thought, same thing as what you said, like she has a brain tumor or something. And she was just always sick in bed. That's crazy. And everyone was always like so frustrated because also my mom told me that she gets really, so my mom, when we were kids, (laughs) it's really funny actually, when we were kids and we were like, I'm sick or like I don't feel well my mom used to get so aggressive (laughs) and she was just like 
stop it. You know, get up. That's ridiculous. Like you're, you're fine. You're fine. I'm not doing this. And the other day she like explained to me why. And she was just like, yeah, I'm so triggered when people tell me that they're sick. Oh, of course. Because I was like my mom's servant. Like I had mm. to serve her in bed every day because she was constantly sick. So she was like, I can't hear anybody tell me that they're sick. It makes yeah. me so angry. Of course, that makes so much sense. I mean, it's still not nice that she did that. To you, though. Like, <laughs> I mean, usually we someone's feelings. <laughs> I mean, usually we were faking it because we didn't want to okay, go to yeah, school. So. Sure. <laughs> But yeah, it must be so hard to be a family member or like a child of a hypochondriac because you really have to like take care of them. Even if you don't believe that they're really sick, you still have to take care of them. Yeah. True. Um... One thing that we did not discuss, which I don't think we should go into, but there's also like a thought that hypochondria is a type of like psychosis and I definitely think that is true for some cases but I think those are not the cases that any of us will ever encounter exactly I think there are definitely people on this planet who have yeah. hypochondria in such a severe extent that yeah. they really you know cannot function and it really becomes delusional, but that also calls for a different diagnosis because hypochondria is still yeah. a segment of like somatic illnesses and stuff. And I think when these thoughts become really delusional, it's going to be, as you say, it's going to be somewhere in the psychotic range, which hopefully won't happen. Yeah. Um, I also read that like, Oh my god, I I'm not going to be able to pronounce this. <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't know why, but it feels like such a tongue twister to okay. me. Hypochondriacal <laughs> behavior. Well yeah, hypochondriacal behavior. I think this is something we see a lot. Right. So this is very very common and when i was reading about this it made a lot of sense because um it said basically that this behavior really arises in a lot of treatment so like when you're treating something else mm -hmm. this hypochondriacal behavior comes up and this explanation that i read is that it's like um, a displacement it's a displacement and it's not only a displacement, it's a way to discharge of other things that the patient can't manage. Yeah. And that was much more of, I think, what we see everywhere. Definitely. And the more, I have to say, the more we talk about this topic, the more I understand why it's not diagnosed so much these days. Because yeah. the more we talk about it, the more confused I am because everything I hear, I'm kind of like... But isn't that anxiety? Like, isn't that a mm -hmm. form of an anxiety illness? You know, there's many different ones in the field of anxiety, phobias, etc. So I am not 100% sure of what the exact difference is. And I think these days, just anxiety is such a huge topic and phobias and everything. So I think it's probably more often diagnosed as that. And just hypochondria may be a diagnosis that is slowly dying out. 
mm-hmm. kind of like hysteria, like we talked about a few yeah. weeks ago. Like that's just my interpretation of it. But you know what I mean? Like everything I hear now, I'm always like, wait, but what's the difference now to like an anxiety disorder? Yeah, I feel like um, hypochondria is more like a symptom. Another disorder mm. would diagnose. But I think it's also really interesting that all these body things like hysteria, hypochondria are kind of going out of. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like it's be- it's almost like this is going to be a very weird comparison. But so homosexuality, I just want to make a really weird. Comparison. Homosexuality was a disorder. And it was in all the books, all the diagnostic tools. And this kind of was taken out because people decided that it's normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, but people realize that it's normal. But I feel like it's the same thing with hypochond- hypochondria because people are realizing that, like, you should be concerned and, like, you should be worried about getting sick, especially now because everyone's so obsessed with their bodies. Yeah. So it's almost like it's just not considered to be abnormal anymore because everyone is so concerned with getting sick it's like it became normal true and i think that's actually a very interesting topic that maybe if you guys are interested we could do an entire episode on in the future um quote-unquote trend diagnosis yeah as in every field also i feel like in psychology and psychotherapy and just medicine i guess especially when it comes to mental health there are different illnesses that are more prevalently diagnosed in different times. And yeah. for example, um, hysteria used to be diagnosed shitloads and now it's yeah. just not a thing anymore. Also, there was a phase where, you know, every other person was diagnosed with or every other kid was diagnosed with autism. Yeah. And I feel like nowadays you always know at least like three people who have kids or no kids or who are diagnosed with ADHD. And it always makes me wonder what is re- like, are we taking this too lightly? You know, are we just diagnosing left and right? Blah, blah, blah. But that's a different topic, but I think that could be interesting to just discuss um, our opinions. Yeah, totally. The future. Um, but in that sense, yeah, maybe hypochondria is just not going to be a thing anymore because, as you say, just being yeah. worried also about your body and also having more knowledge about medicine with the right. access we have through the internet and stuff. People know more. And, of course, when I Google shit, like when I Google, like I have a headache, <laughs> what do I do? I also find out I have brain brain cancer, you know what I mean, like a brain tumor. So that could also make me a hypochondria. <laughs> um yeah, I I really think that it is a trend diagnosis now that I think about it. Um because like the general people, I mean there's people that avoid treatment like me, but I think generally our society is going to a place where it is very healthy to seek treatment a lot about everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's ads everywhere also about like seeking therapy or mm-hmm seeking help it's like it's very applauded and like people are encouraged to do that so i guess hypochondria will slowly kind of fizzle out 
so yeah i mean coming to the end of this actually lola i wanted to ask you because i've gotten so 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 many questions from friends family dms on instagram on our podcast oh my god about just maybe a few sentences about what's going on in new york and if you know approximately how long you can are gonna stay there like because i feel like you know we haven't updated anyone in like yeah three months so you're still in New York and you have a job now. So that may be confusing for a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm still in New York. I got a job just while I'm here to survive. But I, I'll i probably be here for the summer. But yeah, it's not permanent in any way. I'm just waiting for some mail from immigration. And then I basically can leave. Yeah. And... Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I, I should be here for like maybe a couple months more, but I still live in Vienna and I didn't move here. <laughs> okay, nice. I think that will clear a lot of stuff up. Yeah. Because I always, I'm, everyone always asks me and I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what she's waiting for and stuff, but I know it's just waiting for these like administrative, yeah, behördlichen shit like visa stuff. So I hope that cleared things up for you guys. And... We hope that you enjoyed this topic. Maybe you are a hypochondriac or you know someone who is. Yeah, totally. Good. And if you're curious about any more like illnesses or anything, we are always down to do an episode about them. It's just fun to kind of go over things that you hear about, but you don't really go into detail about it. Even for us, like... I never really went into reading about hypochondria because it's just something that you don't really, I don't know, encounter. Yeah. And we also learn so much yeah, through these totally. topics because then we get to like sit down and research a bit and it's really fun. So definitely let us know and have a good day. Yeah. Thanks for listening.